Welcome to the Draw Shops Get Genius Podcast, where we talk to today's business influencers to pick their brain and pull out their genius. It's time to get genius. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Get Genius Podcast. If you want to hear a crazy story of how a mega million dollar company was born through branding and inexpensive products, then you'll want to listen to this next episode with my guest, Trey Llewellyn. On this show, Trey will reveal a lot of what he did to go from zero dollars to multi-millions of dollars in his first year of selling. The story starts from selling t-shirts online to sourcing products and scaling his e-commerce company into a multi-million dollar per year company, selling nothing but physical products through Simple Funnels. On top of that, you'll get to hear some pretty epic mistakes, challenges, and obstacles he came across and the wicked cool hacks he uses so that none of those happen again. I know I learned a ton. This show goes on a bit longer than most of my shows, but it's because Trey is filled with so many golden nuggets. I did not want to miss out, and I know there's so much more, so you'll definitely get the links to find out more about what Trey does and all of his other cool hacks. I'm already implementing MTO, VoIP, and the 8020 calculator, and it's only been one day since I recorded this interview. And if you want to know what those are, listen to the interview. Hey, Trey, welcome to the Get Genius Podcast. So happy to have you on here. I'm, I'm excited that you're excited. <laughs> I'm excited because I think I'm going to learn a whole bunch of new things. I'm excited for our listeners to learn. Um, and I think we're going to talk about some things that maybe they don't really hear a lot about. Um, so I know that you've, you've built your own online empire and now you're helping people to do the same, but there's so much more to what you do. So before we get into all of that, I'd love for our listeners just to hear kind of how you started as an entrepreneur and got into what you're doing today. Oh, dang. Uh, so I, so my entrepreneur journey started when I was young, uh, probably actually before 16, because I, I think I was, you know, going around neighborhoods and uh, doing those little magazines where, where you'd sell like some Christmas paper for school right. and then you'd get $2. And I was like, man, I make... Like I was making no money. Like there's some kid who was way hustled out, hustled me. And, uh, but ac actually I think it really started when I was 16 and I started cleaning, uh, pools. I was a pool, I was a pool boy, uh, pool boy from the, from the good old Hannibal, Missouri. That's it. <laughs> nice. That's how that started. And made, I made a ton of money mainly because I probably didn't give any, any of it to the IRS. And so they're probably still going to haunt me for that. But <laughs> the, uh, you know, you're a kid and you're just having fun. And I would do, uh, I think I would do like 10 pools a week and I'd make 40 bucks a pool. And as a 16 year old, I mean, that's, you know, $400 cash. Like that's, that's $1,600 a month that is like, whoa, like that's a crap ton of money Oh yeah, for a 16 year old. And I fell in love with the entrepreneur spirit and, you know, the money wise was nice and just figuring out like, wow, with money, you can kind of buy some cool stuff. And, uh, from there, went to college because that was what, you know, the parents want you to do. And if I had to do it again, no, I probably wouldn't go, knowing what I know now. Right. Uh, you know, which is which is kind of an interesting fact. But, you know, went from that and uh, I'm just going to kind of fast track it, but went to college, got a job, hated it. So I went to five years of college to find out that I hated it and got I took a job of an engineering. I was an electrical engineer, took it for a year, decided it wasn't for me. 
became an insurance agent for three years, started working on an online business uh, while I was doing insurance. And metaphorically, they, they found out and they saw that my sales were dropping in insurance because I wasn't putting enough time into it. I was more, you know, I was more excited about my own job, my own company. Yeah. And so I, you know, we, we separated, uh, we, we, uh, left each other's company and I, you know, went out on a stake and, you know, I gotta tell you like, that was, that was tough. And maybe that's where some of your listeners are, listeners are as well is, you know, I'm sure we have entrepreneurs listening and maybe we have people who are still working the job and trying to do something at night, trying to build something on the side. And you're going to get to a point where you have to make that decision which is, do I quit my job? And holy smokes, like just leaving that golden paycheck is tough because it's security. And everybody is so comfortable with security that it's, a, it's one of the toughest decisions that you'll embark and take becoming an entrepreneur. But it doesn't, it doesn't matter who you talk to. And I'm, Summer, you talk to a ton of people. But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, I think they'll all tell you the same. I, I probably would guarantee they'd say the same is, is the best decision they ever made, which was quitting their job and moving to something that they enjoy and they're passionate about and they love. And it's inspiring every day to wake up. And my girlfriend, she gets she gets mad at me some days because I'm so damn excited to go to work, you know, because yeah. it's not work for me. Like, if you love what you do, you'll never have to work another day in your life. And that's the way I see it. That's exactly right. I love that. So. There's so many things in just that little rundown of how you became an entrepreneur. I just want to circle back on on some of them. We do have a lot of, uh, obviously, most of our listeners are entrepreneurs. A lot of them are parents mm. with children that, you know, that's a big topic. Are they going to go to college or not? And I know that's not like the big discussion um, that we're going to have on this episode, but I would love to just, you know, hear more about that because I, I think about that a lot. Like, is it really worth it for my kids to go to college. I'm not going to be, I know there's some people that are just like, it's an absolute must. My kids are going to college. I'm kind of more on the, if they don't go, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. My, you know, the way I'm looking at it is, so I have a four-year-old, so I am, yeah. I definitely fall in the parent category. And you know, that's a two-way street on the college thing. Like if they're going to become a doctor, like if he wants to become a doctor, he like, okay, you got to go to school because you can't become a doctor. I guess you could, but legally you might run into some issues or a lawyer or, you know, I don't know what he's going to be excited about. I don't know what he's going to be, uh, what makes him jive, what makes him thrive, what makes him inspire, where the power of, of being alive is. So that might tell the tale when the time comes. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'll do my best to show him what we do and how we did it and how we do it and give him the knowledge to where like, Hey, this is out there. This is something that's kind of a cool thing. And, and this is, this is how we grow our business. And this is how we make money. Like this is how we pay for the food on the table. And so you don't need to go to college with this, but it takes work and it takes dedication. You know, the joke, the running joke always is, is the entrepreneur awake will work for or 80 hours to, to miss the 40 hour work, you know? Yeah. And so yep. it's, it's that decisions. It's, it'll be his decision as, as your child is, is making those decisions as well. I, I agree with you. It's tough. But I think, I think there's a bigger uh, question at, at stake or a bigger um, issue. And that is being able to spend time with your kids while working on your business. And that is one thing that a lot of people bring up to me when they come for, to visit and will host uh, you know, a lot of my friends will come, a lot of my entrepreneurial friends will come. And that's the one biggest takeaway that they seem to always glisten from a visitation, which is 
uh, I don't usually do much at, at home, which means like I'm not usually building a business. I'm not building a funnel. I'm not you know, answering phone calls. And recently we've actually come up with a rule with, which is, you know, phones down at six and it's just kind of family time. It's, you know, movies, it's pizza, it's popcorn. It's let's go outside and ride the little truck around or, uh, just have a, you know, just have a good time and enjoy each other's company because we make the most of it. And I, and I think that's huge, uh, especially as a parent, like, you know, there's a lot about, there's a lot of issues with finding time and understanding that there's time. And I feel that, you know, one big excuse we give ourselves is I can't wake up earlier. You know, I'm already getting up at seven. I'm already getting up at six. And the way I was able to break through that was because that was a limiting belief for me, which was we have daylight savings time here in St. Louis. And every six months, the hours change. You know, we go back, we go forward. But those those ones where we take back an hour, whew, like those yeah. those are rough because I got to wake up an hour earlier. So now six a.m. becomes five a.m. or five a.m. becomes four a.m. But realistically, you know, I've been doing that for thirty years, and I'm not dead. I'm I'm still alive. I still have energy, and I I think I seeded that in my brain for like two months to where I was finally starting able to wake up at uh, five a.m. So I get up I get up around five. But the thing is, is, uh, you know, that's, that's our time. Uh, the girlfriend and I is where, yeah. you know, we get up at five and we might read, uh, you know, it's really early. We're beating the sun up. That's the first win of the day. So we beat, we beat, <laughs> we beat the sun up. So if you, if you don't, if you don't beat anything, uh, you know, if you don't win at anything else in the day, you got to know that you got the first win in and you at least wanted something that's beating the sun up. And that's, right. that's an achievement. And usually, usually I beat it down too. So I usually get two wins for the day. So I beat it up and then I beat it down to where, you know, we'll, we'll spend time together. We'll, we might cuddle on a couch, uh, and just enjoy each other's company, or we might read a couple books. She's a very entrepreneurial kind of girl too. And, or we might work on our business. And then usually I'm, I'm working out about six o'clock. So I go, I go work, work out, I lift or I'll go and get coached or whatever at 6am and be at back at the house around seven. And that's when the day really, really, really starts to begin. That's when the kid gets up and take him to school. And that's kind of where the whole neighborhood's kind of waking up. The school bus is, you know, tuning its horn outside. And that's kind of when the world wakes up. And what's cool is I've already been up for two hours working on me, you know, and that's not the best. That's what it, yeah. It's pretty amazing. I don't know if you do that, but man, it's, it is, it's tough. It's a, it's a challenge to do. That. It's tough. But once you, once you start doing it and then you don't do it, you feel the difference. Oh, you totally do. It sucks. Like the day goes by like it's 10 o'clock. And if you're waking up at eight, it's already 10 a.m. And <laughs> exactly where the day go. And there's days, there's days that, you know, I walk in and I feel like I'm walking right back out because we are, right. we're just so busy. Like we're just doing so much so fast. And that's one thing that, you know, I talk to my entrepreneur guys about is you gotta, you gotta be a speedboat in this world. Uh, a lot of companies, corporates, corporate, like dang, summer look. Like these corporate companies are shutting down left and right. Like first was kind of like the blockbuster. Uh, yep. You know, we're like, oh, that's kind of weird. Like blockbuster shutting down because of a red box that, you know, is in front of Walgreens. And to where now it's like big companies like Dillard's and Macy's and, and just, just big giant uh, uh, Barnes and Noble, you know, as, as at a $15 million loss this year. So they're, they're crushed, getting crushed. Because those dudes are such a big, I call them an aircraft carrier, and it takes them so long to make decisions to where turning around in a, in a half an hour is, uh, 
it's too long. It takes too much. And you got to be a speedboat. You got to do circles around those aircraft carriers and, and being a smart, a startup company and always having that feel that, that jive and being able to make decisions really fast, uh, is going to save you because with the internet, holy smokes, like, Oh yeah, you're, you're, you're moving and shaking so quickly. And, and, uh, just being able to make those decisions fast. Like that's one thing that we talk about is, is, you know, we're a speedboat. We're somebody who moves quick and we make decisions rapidly and, and our staff even, you know, they, they chuckle at it, but they, they love it and hate it at the same time, which is they're doing something different every week, you know, and they're okay with it because it keeps it alive. They're never, they're never down on their job because, uh, there's always something new to learn. There's always something that's upcoming, such as like the newest thing right now is mini chat. You know, how do we jump on board with that? How do we jump yeah. on board with text messaging campaigns? Uh, I don't know about you, but my my physical mailbox is empty right now. Every time I go home, it's empty. And that is opportunity in my eyes. And so it's like, okay, how do we start direct mail campaigns? How do we make yeah. it work? And so it's like all these new opportunities are available to us and opening up doors where email is the fullest right now and the hardest to get through. How about we try a blue ocean where the, the water's not muddy yet, the water's not bloody yet. So true, so true, I love that. So how did you, kind of take us through the journey of how you built your business today. Okay, so when I quit the insurance get job, uh, we, I was figuring this out, you know? Uh, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was, <laughs> I was lost uh, and I was, just looking for my way, you know, looking for who I want to be, looking for my why, looking for what the, what the heck am I doing? You know, like, where do I want to go? And I think right. a lot of us hit that. And that was kind of where I was is asking God, like, all right, what, what's going on? Like, what, what am I supposed to do? Like what? And I asked that sometimes today, you know, like what, what do you got me going on? Like, what's the journey here? So we were, uh, my brother was in law school, so he's become a police officer and I was doing insurance, which is, in, is as is as exciting. And, um, the biggest thing with him is we're seven years apart. He's younger. And I, I frankly didn't want to see him come home in a casket. You know, you see all this, this crazy stuff. Yeah. And this was before Ferguson, Missouri, which we're only 20 minutes away from that Okay, happened. So that kind of brings up some details, but, oh yeah, um, you know, I, I really didn't want to see him. I don't want to see him at a funeral because of a shooting, because of a, a car accident, because, you know, anything. And so I called him up and I go, I'm going to tell you something and, and you're really going to have to think about it. And that is, I want to start a company with you. I want to do something with you. I want to, I want to, you know, have fun with you. And man, he did not like that idea. He wanted, you know, he wanted to be a police officer. He went, I said, what, you know, what's about the police officer that you love so much? And he goes, well, you know, I get to carry a gun every day and I get to, uh, you know, flip on those blue lights and of course, you know, protect and serve, but I make fun of him because I was like, no, all you want to do is carry a gun and do the blue lights. But obviously that's not the full truth. <laughs> Whereas, and I was like, okay, well, well, you know, you'll make money. We'll make you enough money so you can carry whatever gun you want on your hip and blue lights. will we'll install something like that on your truck. And every once in a while we'll flip them on or, you know, do something. And he kind of laughed, but it really took me like four months to convince him that we can sell some t-shirts. And so we started selling t-shirts through a Facebook. So we created a Facebook page called I love my Glock. And that's how it started. And we received a, a very nice letter from Glock, uh, pretty much from their attorney's office that said, uh, Glock is a trademarked, uh, name. And at that time, like, okay, what's that mean? 
you know, like, I don't know what the hell we're doing. We just created yeah. a fan page called I Love My Glock. Like, what's wrong with that? Well, apparently they didn't <laughs> like that. Like, so much so that their attorney's office, you know, took time to send us a nice letter. And uh, wow. and uh, so we found out real quick that you can't do that. And we changed the name of the page to uh, I Love My Gun. So fortunately, uh, our company was ILMG starting out. So just the initials, I Love My Glock. And I think Glock starts with a G because I don't know what else we would have done. But we changed it to I just ILMG stayed, stayed the same and changed from, from Glock to Gun. And so that was kind of our saving grace. And we created the page and created called it ILMG, which now is the NGOA. And uh, so it's taken a name change about a year and a half ago. And so we started this page and we grew that thing from our first like to 10 likes to 100 likes to today. That thing's over like 300,000 likes, which is really cool. And we had this fan page that we started, you know, talking about T-shirts. And these guys were gun guys. These guys were patriots. These are Obama haters. And they didn't like the president. And they're afraid that he was going to come and take their guns. So we totally had that opportunity uh, for us that we were able to move in that motion and kind of support that to where we took advantage of it by selling them T-shirts that talked about, you know, protecting the Second Amendment, talking about saving guns and saving grace and all this kind of stuff. And I tell you what, like Obama sold the most guns. He was the best gun seller that ever hit America as a president because people were so scared that he's going to come take them away. And the same thing was going to happen with Hillary. If Hillary would have got elected, it would have been more massive gun sales. And so now with Trump, the sales have settled. So we've had to think of different ways and and different means to go out and market. And so, you know, maybe your listeners are like, you know, well, it's easy for you because you're in the gun, you have the president supporting you. But I, you know, we have mastermind clients who are in so many different niches, such as like sports or golf or tennis or uh, the dog niche, like, you know, they have stuff like the dog niche, like puppy mills, you know, there, yeah. there, there's, there's in every niche, there's something, there's some sort of survey, there's some sort of petition, there's some sort of, uh, sickening thing that's happening that you can, you know, vote against and to create those leads. So over that, um, we, we, so, so we were selling through Teespring and at the time, still to this day, really. Teespring didn't give you information, didn't give you kind of like Amazon, like, gosh, dang, Amazon's kill you to where you don't get any data. And right. our business, uh, the heartbeat of our business is from the data we collect. The date, why, why Dollar Shave Club sold for a billion dollars? Not because of the subscriptions, it was because of the data they house. They house so much data and that's what, uh, oh, I worked for Unilever. That's what Unilever wanted, they wanted the data. And that's yeah. why that, that data is so, worth so much money to those guys. And we're data collectors. So when you can build a business with data, like emails, addresses, phone numbers, the, 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 the touching points of that are insane, such as text messaging, voicemail, dialing outbound phone calls just from a phone number, email support, uh, direct mail through you know email, or not email, but address. Like how many touches you can make just through those areas is amazing. And... We built our database from going off of Teespring and moving on to uh, ClickFunnels. And so we started building websites through ClickFunnels. And from there, we gathered 1.1 million emails is what, wow. is what our database is at now. And, you know, like you kind of say, wow, the thing is like we started with one email. Yeah. We started with one and we grew it from there. Uh, how we were able to grow it so rapidly 
was we started using uh, two, two, two-step order forms. And that is a very unique trick, uh, or not really a trick, but a technique rather, that works so well to where, and, I, and the way I, where I found it was um, I go out and hack uh, funnels every month. I go out and look at what funnels are, what funnels are converting, what funnels are getting a lot of traffic, where, like where's all the traffic going? And then I look at what they're doing so well, like why are people able to spend so much money towards these? And so I go hack them, like I'll go spend my own money and go through those and I record those videos and I put them into a course that we have to where, you know, it's like, okay, these guys are using a two-step order form. That was our big, my biggest aha, to where you have to enter your name, email, phone number, address, press submit, and then have the price revealed. Maybe it's a coupon, maybe it's a discount, maybe it's a, I don't know, free shipping. And they are, or, or, you know, whatever. And so when they hit that submit button, you collect their information. And what we're seeing is for every purchase, we're collecting four to six, uh, units or rather like cards. Okay. Okay. You know what I'm saying? To where yeah. you would now, so for every purchase I get, I'm collecting an email, phone number, and address of six other people that are, wow. that are interested in this niche. Maybe they didn't like the product I was selling. Maybe they didn't didn't like the price, but I got to tell you, I got other products that you might like, and I'm going to retarget you. I'm going to, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to call you. I'm going to text you. I'm going to slide dial, which is a, do you know what slide dial is? No. Oh my gosh. Summer. You're going to be. I know. So slidebroadcast.com will be your newest friend. Okay. So slidebroadcast.com. What you do is you upload your phone numbers to there. And you just create a really cool uh, voicemail. So do you, do you sell anything online? Yeah, well, kind of. So we're, not really. We're, but we're service-based, so. Perfect. What kind of service? So creating marketing videos, right, video perfect. marketing videos. So, right. so then your slide dial might be like, hey, this is Summer. Sorry, I couldn't reach you. So what it does is it goes directly to their voicemail. They don't even know you got a, they missed call. It just says, you have a new voicemail. So, and it shows like from what number. And you'd be like, hey, this is Summer. Sorry I missed you. Uh, wanted to let you know that I have a new opportunity for you. It's a new cutting-edge video service-based uh, MP4 video that we just launched, and it's going to work so well with your company. I had to call you first. So I'm sorry I missed you, but I want to take some time out of my day to talk to you more about it. Can you give me a call back? And, that's, and you can upload that to like 1,000 or 20,000 or however many phone numbers you have. Send that out. So you land 20,000 voicemails into 20,000 people's voicemails and they listen to their voicemail and then you get all the people who are interested to call you back. I love it. That it's so great. And it's like five, three cents of voicemail or two cents of voicemail. It's super cheap. And so we have a ton of fun with that. Like that is probably the coolest thing that we've been doing. And again, guess what? That's from those opt-ins, right? People yeah. think like, okay. So someone's on your website and you're like, hey, you want a quote? Are you interested in our service? Are you interested in more of what we do or contact us? Like they got to fill out their information. So your database starts to fill up and you get to call them out and be like, hey, are you still interested in doing video services with us? If so, sorry, I missed you, but call me back and let's talk more. And so it's, it's super personal. It's from you. I do the same thing with, um, so the masterclass, which we have, it's does those video hacks. So people go by that. And then there's an upsell that we say, hey, do you want to be on uh, our VIP calls, which are like $97 a month? And people, like we have a 12% take that. So that means 88% people don't. And I have it to where they immediately get a voicemail 30 minutes after. And it says, hey, so it comes from me directly. 
hey, this is Trey. Sorry I missed you. So they're like, oh, crap, I missed Trey. Sorry I missed you. But I noticed that you didn't take the VIP upsell. And I got to tell you, that's probably one of the coolest things I've ever done. If you're still interested, um, I wanted to save you a spot. Go to whatever it is, mrhonda.com forward slash VIP and grab it because I want to see you on the next call. I want to, I want to talk to you more personally on, on some things. And that has created a really big lift for us. Nice. That's so cool. Just that alone right there. People can walk away and run with that. There's so many things. And you know, the, the other thing is like scale. So when we, when we've had our company, uh, the way that we've been scaling, it's, you know, like when you go, when you go from a database of like 10,000 people to like 1.1 million, there's a lot of things that break. Yeah, and of course. A really, a really cool rule that we still use today because we still make stupid little things. I'm like, okay, that doesn't follow our rule. And the rule is super simple, which is multiply it by a thousand. Will it break? So yeah. I'll give you a great example. Fantastic example is sticky notes. I hate sticky notes. And when we hire someone new, they usually bring in a pad of sticky notes or something. And I'll usually like, I'll be mean and I'll go like rip a sticky note away while they're in the bathroom or something. And I'll come <laughs> away. I'll be like, just out of curiosity, which sticky note is missing? And they, they absolutely <laughs> will have no clue because, you know, it's on a sticky note. Like they could just kind of fly away at any random point. Yeah. And, uh, and I would say, you know, I'll ask them, I go, is sticky notes a system that can be multiplied by a thousand? Can you multiply this by a thousand and be efficient? Or, you know, can we handle uh, a thousand orders the way that we did this one? Or can, you know, is our, is our system set up that by multiplying it by a thousand, will it break or what will happen or what will, what will exceed its limits? And just having that like mentality of when you're building something will really start to make sure like things don't break as you scale. A great example might be, Hey, we're shipping out, you know, 10 items a day with me and my sister and we're stuffing them in envelopes. Well, multiply that by a thousand a day. Can you, can you stain, stain it? Probably not. So how can you fix it before it breaks? And that would be maybe grabbing someone who does drop shipping and having them take all over it all over, you know, things like that. Uh, versus like we had a Google voice number and Google voice cannot be multiplied by even like two to where yeah, exactly <laughs> we, you know you know that maybe you've ran into this oh yeah so yeah oh it's awful so i made that mistake where we had a google voice number as our landline just because it was free and we didn't have any money and so when as soon as someone second calls and you're on the phone with the first person they get a busy signal and then you seem like a mom and pop shop right real quick everybody's like a busy signal like what is that Usually, exactly. you, you know, with you, when you call like corporate, like Sprint or Verizon or AT&T, it's like, hey, thanks for calling AT&T today or Papa John's even like, hey, thanks for calling Papa John's. Glad you're here. You know, here's our specials. Like, wait, like it just sound, it feels like that's what they want. They don't want to bit like when you call Papa John's, it calls like a, a pizza place. It's a busy signal. You're like, oh, this is a mom and pop pizza shop, you know, yeah. not, not something corporate. And people feel more comfortable with corporate than they do with a mom and pop because it has more security behind it. It's more, uh, you know, uh, thick as a, as a company. And so when we had that, oh man, that was awful. And also like a Google voice number can't port P O R T. And what a port means is that I can't call up AT and T and say, Hey, I want to install landlines in my office. I want to use the same number that I've been using and, and port it over to this landline. Well, Google voice are Google voice numbers are unable to port. 
And so that means, let's say you've been running a business for a year even, and all your invoices, all your receipts, every, uh, I don't know, shipping invoice that's gone out or email that's gone out has your phone number on it. And now you can't use it anymore. You have to go with a, a new one and all your websites and all your terms of service, like all this stuff you have to update with this new number. And for people who call, you can't transfer the number over because when you do, again, you're going to get that busy signal. So it's a, it's a freaking nightmare. Oh, absolutely. So don't do that. Totally agree. Don't yes. do that, guys. That's like number one. So then if we want to di- dive down that rabbit hole a little bit more, I'll tell you my uh, my horror story. Of, oh, no. Oh, it's so bad. So um, with, uh, with, with the phones, goodness sakes. So, we, uh, so I did the Google Voice thing, and we had to get a number. So we had a new number, and we went landline versus voice over IP. VoIP is what it's called which is kind of like internet-based phones, which, holy cow, like, go VoIP day one. You need to go VoIP. Don't go landline either because it's not expandable by a 1,000. You'll just cost yourself so much pain and, and anguish. It's, it's awful. But anyways, I went that route because I didn't know any better. Right. And we, uh, we had AT&T come in. They installed four landlines. And, of course, we didn't have a hold system. We grabbed this guy's machine. It was like $2,000, and we installed it on the wall. And it had all of our ports to where we could, like, record calls. Like, we thought we were doing something special. And it was absolutely awful. But what happened was uh, someone would call the main number and it was unable to find an open line, which what it had to do is it was called ghosting. And so the person would call the first number. And if that person was busy, it would ghost over to line two. And if line two was busy, then it would ghost over to line three. But it'd have to ring twice for each ghost. So it so it was like ring, ring, no one there. Ring, ring, second phone. Nope, that's busy. Ring, ring. So this person is just feeling as if the phone's ringing on their end. So it's like six, seven, eight rings through, and finally it gets to the fourth phone to where someone finally picks up. But it's, so that again, like, okay, that's not good customer service. Like we're not, you know, answering within the first 20 seconds. Yeah. That's awful. And then I'm ghosting. Well, someday, one day, Summer, I made the wonderful uh, mistake of, of transferring line four uh, to line one. And I created some sort of infinite loop within at and system to where when people called in and all four lines were, were on, uh, it would, an operator would come on and it would say, sorry, this number has been disconnected. <gasps> oh, <laughs> that, 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 that happened. And, and that was, that was really bad. So, so then that's happening. And, uh, we have no clue. You have no clue how many people are calling you. And the only way I was able to judge this was by the voicemail. So we were taking voicemails. Again, like AT&T doesn't take voicemails. Uh, Google.com or, you know, whoever doesn't take voicemails. Like it's it's a corporate company. And w- here we are taking voicemails. So again, we seem like a mom and pop shop. But what happened was, because we're just trying to reach every customer that calls in. Like we're trying to be studious. Yeah. And they're leaving these voicemails. And then they're calling in. They're saying, hey, your voicemail inbox is full. And it's like, you know, 10 a.m. in the morning. I was like, what do you mean our inbox is full? So I'd call it and sure enough, like, hey, sorry, your inbox is full. And what sucked was we didn't have, like our caller IDs only held 25 numbers on the phone. And so we never knew who was calling. So we'd have to listen to each voicemail individually. And I don't know if your guys' blood pressure goes up when I tell these stories, but it's so bad, right? <laughs> like I, I, get, <laughs> yeah. I get like, I get stress in my chest because I tell these stories. I'm like, oh, like I have to relive it to tell it. And I'm just going through the memory. But we'd have these voicemails fill up and, and they'd be, it would take only 100, 100 calls 
And we'd have to listen to each voicemail for the phone number to call the person back. So usually what happened was the person would leave a three minute, two to three minute voicemail. And then at the end be like, call me back at 217 or whatever. Yeah. So, so that, so if you take a hundred times three minutes, that's 300 minutes. If you take that divided by 60, that's an eight hour day. So we had to hire a high school student to come in and just listen to voicemails to get the phone numbers. Wow. Wow. Then, then we are uh, exceeding our limit on voicemail. So I call AT&T up and I'm like, hey, what's up? And I got this like totally nerd on the other line. Nothing against nerds. I'm, I'm a nerd myself. To where I was like, hey, yo, we need more space. Like I, I am running out of voicemail space. And he says, hmm. No one's ever ran out of voicemail space. I was like, you're telling me I'm the only client that's ever called and said I ran out of voicemail space? He goes, yeah, we give you 100 megabytes. I was like, dude, I'm running out of voicemail space by 10 a.m. He goes, wow, yes. that's fascinating. I was like, I need more. <laughs> well, I go, I need like either infinite or like a terabyte. And his response was, well, the max we can do is 200 megabytes. I was like, there is no button on there that says infinite voicemail space. He's like, uh-uh. The only thing we do is take it up to 200 megabytes. So, so I was like, okay. So I get off the phone and we were filling up 200 megabytes of voicemail storage by one o'clock every day at noon, one, yeah, 1 PM. So that means that the kid who's listening to voicemails can't keep up with the voicemails because they're coming in. So he was consistently listening to voicemails to where now we, now it became worse. We went from an inbound call center to an outbound call center. And when you go from an out inbound to outbound, you go from a hundred percent pickup rate because obviously people calling in, it's like, hello, how are you? They're there. On the yeah. To a 20% oh. pickup. Because when you outbound, you have a 20% success rate on pickups. Right. And we call them out, we leave a voicemail, so then we're leaving a voicemail in there, and then they're calling back. Oh, my, oh man, awful, awful, awful. And then, of course, you know, all four lines are busy, so they're saying, sorry, this number's been disconnected. So as you can see, this is a freaking nightmare going on. So then... I'm like, okay, we need to fix this. We need to handle something. Uh, we need to get like voice over IP. Again, we can't port, so that sucks. Can't port over to VoIP. So we were in a, 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 an office building, and it was uh, two, two levels. So there's like level one and there's level two. And it, they're level, both levels are separated by a concrete wall. And we were in the front level versus the back level. And we were, we were growing so fast. I was like, okay, well, we're going to move new offices. And so we were opening up our office in the background or in the back. And we're getting VoIP in the back and we're having the landlines in the front. And we test out the, the new VoIP system in the front and it works seamlessly, like so perfect. Like we're answering calls. It's amazing. Like it's working. And, yeah. and, uh, and so that night at five o'clock, I said, okay, guys, I need you to stay late. Like we had, I don't know, seven people there. I need you to stay late. You're going to grab your desk, grab your computer, and we're going to take it to the back. So that night took us three hours to shift the front office to the back office. <laughs> and that next morning was like Tuesday morning. And we started the computers up. We obviously our landlines are in the front office, right? And we started at the back office and all of a sudden we start dropping calls, which means uh, like, boom, call, like someone's on the call and then they're off the call, on the call and then hung up. So we're hanging up on people. In oh. our internet, we get this IP address insufficient or something or other, like we're dropping calls. And I was like, holy smokes, this is bad. And the other bad thing was they, the landlines are in the front office. And I'm like, uh-oh, what do we do now? I was really almost to the point where I was going to go to Walmart and grab like a 100-foot cord 
like five of them and toss them over the roof. <laughs> like you laugh, but seriously, that's what's going on. Ahead. Oh no, I know when like, you're in that situation. I, I was, like, yeah, I was going to drop some landlines, and that's going on. Well, what what saved us, ironically, is is so funny. I don't know how I thought about it, but in the front office we had AT and T internet, and in the back office we had Charter internet, and Charter internet was not set to handle our calls, so it kept dropping the internet. What happened was we were we were crashing the little modem that we got. Cause it was spiking. We spiked it too much. And yeah. luckily by the grace of God, we were able to Wi-Fi through that brick wall into our other AT&T little modem that was able to handle it from the test the prior day. And so we have four people answering these phone calls and we have this big screen. I bought this like 32 inch uh, flat screen TV and uh, I, I upload uh, our system that tells us how many people are calling. And so we were getting 300 voicemails a day. So I estimated one in four people were probably leaving a voicemail. So I was like, ah, maybe we're getting like 900 to 1200 calls a day, which isn't bad, which we can probably handle. We turn on the, on the system to see how many calls came in the prior day. And it was 15,000 calls. Oh, wow. 15,000 15, calls. Like, wow. That's a lot of calls. Most, some, just to give you an idea of how many calls that is, one person can handle around 100 calls uh, per day. Per day, yeah. So that means instantly I need to shift from four people taking phone calls to 150 employees. So when I say try to, try to multiply whatever you're doing right now by 1,000, it doesn't yeah. work. So as you can see, these rules started to follow. So we, we had to... Uh, we had to make a, a quick call. Now we didn't, that was the first time we saw that. We had to make a quick call to a call center and say, we need immediate help because we're receiving way more phone calls than we thought. We thought we were in a 900 range, we're in 15,000 range. And so we call up this, uh, this, this, this call center, which had immediate like 25 people they could put on board. And we onboard them within a week. And they told us that their normal onboarding is about uh, a month. A month to onboard, and and we they onboarded us in three days, from Wednesday to Friday we onboarded, and so <laughs> we we onboarded through our systems. We just like just took it to the to the root to the moon, and it's me, my brother, and another coworker in this back office because we get to listen in and barge calls, and so we're listening to the calls, and these people are trained, these call center people are trained to be on the phone as minimal as possible versus handling the situation. They are just trying to talk to as many people as they can and solve the solution or solve the problem and then move mm -hmm. to the next. And so what we instantly heard was, hello, how are you doing? Hello, I'm looking for my order, where is it? And they're like, oh, it'll ship tomorrow. Thank you, click. When realistically, we are so behind in orders that we're about three to four weeks behind. Their, their order wasn't going to go out tomorrow or the next week or realistically the next two weeks. It was going to go out probably three weeks from that phone call. And now they think their order is going to go out, which they don't get it tomorrow. They don't get it the next day. They don't get a shipping tracking number. And they're now calling again in three days really mad because they really want to know where their order is and super upset. So we started getting uh, BBB requests and oh, yeah. general office requests because this whole mayhem was happening to where we couldn't keep up with as much volume as we were, we were going through with the selling of products that we had. Like our funnels are just, they were just running, they were humming, and the, the support side couldn't handle the orders. 
And so that's the problems we were running into, the little hiccups as we as we grew too fast to handle like like banks love incremental growth. They don't like exponential growth. No, no they like way overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, we love, you know, like that nice, like nice, slowly growth pattern versus us. It's like we're, we're in a space shuttle, like we're, we're zero to lift off, like let's roll. That's how us internet marketers think. And, and sometimes we forget about the, the back end, which is the customer support, the phones, the, you know, reporting and, and QAing and all that stuff. And so it was a, it was a massive learning curve, uh, you know, rather quickly as, as we grew so fast. And so that's, that's like, you know, one story out of probably 30 that, that went down, uh, as we've, as we've grown and as we've learned to, um, cope with, with those aches of, of growing by a thousand, but that's where that rule comes from. That's how I, how I made it up where is this something that we can multiply by a thousand and it still is solid or will it break? That's, that's awesome. I love that rule. I think it's incredible. I think, you know, another cool thing is that I want to ask is, did you have, like you said, you, you didn't expect that it was going to grow so quickly or that this was, you had to be prepared for that. But did you, did you have, you might not have expected it that quickly, but did you have that goal? Like, did you have a huge goal in your mind? Like, we're going to be getting this many calls per day and this many sales. Like, what was your, you know, because a lot of people, I get, here's the real question. Do you yourself, do you create big, huge goals or do you think it's better to stay safe with what others would call realistic? So I have a fantastic uh, little uh, acronym. That I use. Okay. And it's called uh, the MTO. And it is, it's a, it's, it's a fantastic little thing that I, it's an exercise that I think uh, you'll love. And I love it. And it's changed my way of thinking because it applies to both of what you just suggested the outrageous goal and your play it safe goal. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's really crazy. Me and my girlfriend were driving, she's a real estate agent, and she's, she's like, doesn't have a team yet. And we're driving down the street one day and, and she just like started kind of going into like a little bit of a panic and sad motion. And I was like, what is wrong? And she goes, I just think I'm being too hard on myself. I'm, I, I, I created this outrageous goal, which was 18. She wanted to do 18 million in her first year. And I was like, yeah, that's a big goal. And she goes, I don't know if I'm going to hit it. And so now I'm down on myself. I don't feel yeah. confident. I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I'm not going to hit it. And, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm a failure. I'm going to stop now. I'm like, oh man, I was like, I shame on me because I don't know why I've never told you about the MTO, but I think it, it plays a massive part into what you're going through right now. So <clears throat> I was in Florida at a mastermind event, and this is when we were starting the t-shirts and we were at this, this little event with all these cool peeps and, and, um, we were doing this MTO and M stands for minimum. What is your minimum goal that you're going to hit this month? And that can be revenue, that can be profit. Uh, another guy took it and he, he's trying to write a book and he goes, this is the minimum amount of pages I'm going to write. So it really can be applied to anything. Okay. And so, um, so he's like, you know, what's your minimum? What do you want to make? And at that time, my minimum was uh, $5,000 a month. And the reason why I picked 5,000 was because as an insurance agent, that's what I made. I made 5,000 bucks per month is round, yeah. round five bucks, 5,000. And so next comes your T, which is your target. So what is your target? Like, what is your target goal? Like, where would you love to be? And that might be your, 
reality goal that you kind of mentioned earlier. Yeah. And so uh, my my realistic reality goal was 15k. I go, man, if I could do 15k in a month, like that would be that would be pretty sweet. Like that would that I'd be really really freaking happy. I'd be pretty freaking stoked. And then comes the O. And the O is you're outrageous. Super just so far out there, unbelievable, like aliens had to visit Earth for outrageous to come, you know, pigs yep. fly, that whole deal. The moon turns blue. And my outrageous, I was like, oh, outrageous would be 60,000 bucks. And the reason I picked 60,000 in a month was because that's what it took me as an insurance agent to bring in a year. So I made 60 grand a year as an insurance agent. If I could do that in a month, that means I would have a vacation of 11 months because I did what it took me 12 months in one month, allowing me to have freedom for 11 months. Make sense? Totally. So February, I'm sitting there, I'm doing this MTO goal and minimum is 5,000, right? Like minimum is you're no matter what happens. Like if you, if someone, if you get in a car accident, if your Facebook ads account gets shut down, if your website breaks, like no matter what, you're making a minimum of 5k. Got it. Target, that's where we're headed. That's where we're pointed to. That's where all arrows point to. And outrageous, well, here we come. And so uh, we leave Florida. I come back and we start scaling up Facebook ads. And we hit, uh, let's see, 15. We hit our, we hit our third, we did $30,000 in March, 30,000 bucks. And then April came, and I can't remember what we did. I think it was like 55. And then Right as May hit, we hit $117,000 in t-shirt sales in one month. And wow. I have to kind of take a minute here and, and take a step back because in February, not only was my target 15, but my outrageous, like, like where aliens have to come visit Earth, outrageous, yeah. was 60 grand. And yet three months later, we hit $117,000 in t-shirt sales, which is 2x my outrageous practically 2x the outrageous goal that i had set only three months prior and it was all mindset is really what it came down to it was all just being worried about not having any money not having it work out like just being you know ball and chain to a job and a career and, and being um in my comfort zone i was comfortable i was always keeping those realistic goals tight and held to my chest versus what about that outrageous goal that's out there? You know, yep. why don't we try it for that? Like that seems kind of cool and it works really well and, and kind of hit back to, to Jennifer, which is, uh, you know, my girlfriend, the real estate agent where in her favor, her outrageous should be 18 million and her target might be 12 million and 12 million is she's probably going to make that. It's a stretch, but she's probably going to hit that. And when yeah. she does, she's going to feel very, very good. Right. Like, wow, I, I, I accomplished something. But yet she's not going to settle down. She's not going to take a breather because now she surpassed her target. And now it says, OK, we're on our way to, to our outrageous. Because now there's something I, bigger. And like you were talking about mindset, just acknowledging what your outrageous goal is makes it makes it more possible, makes your brain believe that, oh, this actually can happen. Yep. Whereas if you're only, a lot of people are operating on, I just have to meet that minimum. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just like just getting by or just, you know, keeping things as they are. Yep. And 
they tend to keep where they're at. Yes. <laughs> they, they don't tend to grow because they don't even entertain the outrageous because it's not, you know, realistic or like you said, that that target in between that minimum and target. Well, maybe you've heard the, the saying, like what you focus on expands. Yep. And with the MTO, here's my biggest secret. This is your biggest takeaway for the day, amongst, amongst some other things. But uh, yeah. with the MTO, take a picture of it, print it out, put it on your mirror, put it on, uh, take a picture of it with your phone and make it your back screen. Take a picture of it and put it on your rear view mirror because every time you're driving down the highway and you have to look at the car behind you, you're looking at your goals. Yeah. You know, put it in those spots where you're always, where you're always at, uh, you know, your desktop, uh, you know, screen or alarm or whatnot. And what you focus on expands. When you concentrate on one thing, that expands. It's so true. Like I look at stuff that I've put my sole focus on and you know what? It increases. And when I take my focus away or I ignore it, it decreases. It's amazing. It's amazing how that. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Same thing. So as a, as a, as a 30,000 foot view, as an MTO, as you, as you're focused on something at 30,000 foot view, all the underlying things will take place. So I want to talk about something that you frequently talk about, which is the 80, 20 rule. Oh, okay. I love that. Uh, yes. And I think it kind of, um, you know, we're talking about all these big goals that you have hit. Um, and I think that in some way this is going to, I, it's definitely going to relate to how you've built your business and how you operate day to day. So I would really love to talk about that and then kind of, you know, go into where you are now, where you consider to be yourself now in your life and career and, you know, and how you rate that in terms of success, you know, that word that everybody has different definitions for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, kind of two questions there. So 8020, um, man, I wish I could call that mine, but it's, I, and Perry Marshall is who wrote about it and it's not even his, yeah. it's, I forgot who the other, who the original is, but and Perry, well, Perry Marshall was the one who, you know, he wrote a book called E20. You can probably still go get it for a penny or whatever. And it's plus shipping. Right. Great idea. And I read that book and that was just a phenomenal book. One, it's a little bit about math. So you get through that. But the concepts and the ideas are so great. And it makes sense to where everything relies on an 80-20 principle or a 90-10 split. Whereas, for instance, like. I'll give you a great example. So our, our email database is, you know, 1.1 million. Let's just do easy numbers and so let's say it's a million. Well, 20% of that database is uh, the reason for 80% of the purchases. Yep. You know, so that's, and that takes a little bit to sink in. So. 20% of the database, 20%, so that's 200 people, 200,000 people, is responsible for 80% of the revenue that comes in. And you're like, you might be thinking in your mind, like, that's not even possible. But man, when, you, when you scroll back the curtain and you look at our top performers, it is. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you another thing is like our, our, our continuity stuff, where we, we, give, we give the option, the option, you can pay 20 bucks today. Or you can pay $196 a year. Which one would you rather have? Would you rather pay 40 bucks? Or would you rather pay 20 bucks? Like it's, it's much cheaper for you to pay just 20 bucks a day and have it for three months or save a little bit and just grab the 196. But the cool thing is, is I get to collect that full in the 196 today, which helps us out. Yeah. 
like Grant Cardone says, you know, like uh, <laughs> Grant Cardone is always talking about, I know what I know what to do with your money more than what you know. <laughs> and I think that's kind of funny. But the thing is, what's nice about that is, is 80% of the people usually say, I'll pay for the year. 80%. Yeah. And the other 20 is like, I'll do the 20 bucks a month. And those 20 bucks a month are, are the great people. But in order to get and pay to have those subscribers at $20 a month, you have to have those, those bigger overarching people that say, I'm okay, I'm willing to pay a year because that gives you the ad spend to pay for those $20 a month. And it's like this tidal wave that crashes. It's always that crashing wave. But the momentum of the wave comes from the under piece of the wave, that momentum, that force. And that force is given to you by those yearly payments. And what, what, what splashes over is the, um, the monthly members. And when you have that momentum, you can pay a lot more to build up your continuity programs. And that's, that's the secret. That's the, that's the juice. That's what we use and the knowledge we know uh, to gain those members to, to go out and uh, rapidly increase our continuity programs. Because when you know your math and we know how, you're, how it's going to all kind of settle, you're able to spend a little bit more than the guy down the road thinking, I can only spend $20 conversion because I'm selling a $20 a month pro program and I don't want to float. But the secret is 80% of the people usually pay for the year. And that gives you so much more money to spend for that $20 a month guy. Yeah. You know, and that's, oh, that's so amazing. Now that, that's why I love the 80, 20 rule. And the other, like the other cool thing is the calculator. Have you ever done his calculator, the Perry Marshall calculator? No. You need to do that. It's so fun. So I learned really fastly. We took our Facebook fans. So we had like a hundred thousand at the time. And I took what we made in that month, which was, I don't know, probably 25 grand or something. And our, and then it asked, so it asked how many fans, how many buyers, and then how much revenue. And then it told me how much each person is worth. And it said each fan to me was worth like seven bucks. And I was like, you are freaking kidding me right now. And when I learned that, I said, we need to boost our like campaigns because I'm paying 12, like I'm stealing right now. I'm a thief because I'm stealing likes from Facebook for 12 cents a like, and they're worth $7 a like to me. Yeah. So when, when I figured that out from that calculator, that's when we scaled our, our like campaigns. And that's when we went from 100,000 likes to 300,000 likes. The same thing applies with email. How many people are buying from us? How big is our email list? How much revenue did we generate? That's how much email, each email is worth to us each month. Well, instead of paying 20 cents an email, I can pay $5 for an email because of the math. Right. The other cool point about that is a very small percentage, a very, very small percentage will pay way more money than, than the other guys. And the, I think he actually makes this example in the book. I'm not really sure, but it makes a really good analogy. When you go to a baseball game, you've been to a baseball game, right? Yep. So have I. we got the cards, go Reds. And <laughs> we, um, we're sitting, when you're sitting in that stadium, Summer, does the guy sitting in the green seats see a different game than the guy in the, in the top rising seats? Is, it, is there different plays? Is there different no. home no. runs? It's the same game. It's the same game. Nothing changes. But yet someone is willing to pay $1,000 for a green seat or uh, 10 grand for a suite for the game versus the guy who paid 20 bucks from the scalper outside the stadium for a nosebleed. They all see the same game. 
but they're willing to pay more because of the seat mm-hmm. of where they sit, of what of the service they receive. It's a service. And the same thing applies in our business, in your in your service business for the videos, in our business for the continuity programs, in the in the you know the baseball game. Like that's how they make their money because they know a certain percentage of people, very small, will buy suites. That's why they only have so many suites in a stadium. Like not everybody's going to buy them, but a few percentage will. And then they have the green seats, and they have the first you know first level, one hundred level, two hundred level, three hundred level, because they know people are going to buy certain levels and can only afford certain levels. And that's where that 80-20 rule or that 90-10 comes in so effectively when you're looking at your business because a lot of people sell like the $10 an item or the $20 an item uh, products and they totally forget about the guy who's willing to pay a thousand bucks for something. Exactly. So having knowing this rule, this helps you with how you're going to connect with who you want your customers to be. Totally. How have you done that so well and really built the loyalty that you have? I'll tell you the secret. I'm giving like all my secrets away. I know. Look at that. You're just pulling, you're just pulling them <laughs> So what I do, and, I, and I'm okay telling the secret because no one will do it. Most people won't. And the secret is, is I call my customers. I personally call them. And I have a conversation with them. And I ask them questions and I get on the phone with them and I say, Hey, I want to, I want to first say thanks uh, for grabbing, you know, some targets or whatever they buy. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm the CEO of the company and, and if you don't mind, uh, I'd love to just have a conversation with you here for the next 10, 15 minutes. And to be frank, the conversation usually lasts 30 to 40 minutes and it's usually them just talking and telling me about them and telling me about who they are and, and, uh, what they're afraid of, what they're in love with, what they hate, uh, what their, you know, what their biggest concerns are. And that knowledge, that fuel, uh, I bring to the table, to our, you know, to our company, to our board. And I say, here's, here's what they're saying. Here's where they're headed. And we take that knowledge because we take their words and we use them on the websites. So we listen very effectively to our customers and we use their own terms, their own slang, their own, uh, you know, uh, concerns. And we put that through our sales pages and that's how we get them to convert so hot and how we build that trust because we're, we're, we're talking the same talk. So you're really just understanding who it is that's on the other side. We're having then- a conversation. And then in, in terms of, you know, really, you're really understanding the, the client that you want to keep, that you want to keep coming back for more, like you said, who's going to pay that year long membership. Absolutely. Yeah. Why'd you join? Yeah. I'll, I'll ask them up front and I'll ask, I'll ask the people who don't join. Hey, why, why didn't you join? Yeah. I, I want to know. And you know what? They're like, oh, well, I didn't see this. Oh, well, shoot. It was in there. Um, maybe, maybe it wasn't big enough. Maybe I need to move it to the front. You know, or, hey, you know what? We don't do that. You're right. If I did do that, would you join? Absolutely. Okay. Well, let's see if I can make that happen. You know, uh, the, same, the same thing goes with the people who opt in and don't buy. Mm-hmm. Okay. As we talked in the, in the beginning of this call, which you promised would only be 30 minutes. I know. Me. I know. Look at us. You have too much good information. <laughs> to, where, to where we're opting in and they're not buying. So those are our drop cards. 
And so I'll call them and I'll be up front. I'll be like, hey, I, you know, you opted in, you saw the price. Uh, what, what's, what's going on? Like, did you not like it? Was it too expensive? Uh, I'd love to pick your brain and, and talk to you. And you know, the thing is like, these guys are nice. Like they're so nice and they're so receptive uh, because I'm reaching out. Like when's the last time you went to Chick-fil-A and got a sandwich and they called you the next day and they're like, how'd you enjoy that sandwich back at Chick-fil-A? They don't. Right. McDonald's doesn't call you. Walmart doesn't follow up and say, hey, uh, how was your purchasing at Walmart? Did you have fun? Like, did you see low prices? That's, that's what it's taking, you know, for us to uh, get in front of, of all these other, you know, competitors and really settle down with our customers and listen and say, hey, you know what? We're, we're creating a, a fan club. We're creating a mission. We're creating a statement. We're putting our, our, a stake in the ground drawing the line in the sand and saying, this is what we stand for. And I, and it looks like you're on board and I'd like to talk to you more about that. And I might make 20 or 30 calls. I might talk to, you know, five or 10 people, I'll leave voicemails for everyone. And they'll call me back. They could, like I had a call today come in and I called him three days ago and he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to, you know, not listen to you or, or get back to you, but I've just been so busy, but I had you on my list. And so they'll call you, you know, and they'll talk and be like, I'll sometimes I forget what I call them about. I'm like, oh, let me look you up real fast. And yeah, oh yeah, you, you bought this. I was just calling to see why you bought it and what you think about it. Looks like you probably should have it by now. I see the shipping's there. And they're like, oh man, yeah, I love it. Or man, the packaging didn't come in or it came torn or, uh, you know, it, it, it was, it's a piece of junk, whatever, you know? And, and then, then comes the fixes, the changes. And so we, we use that information to make a better experience for our customers. So that the next guy down the road who buys that product is wowed. He's like, holy smokes, this, this thing's beautiful. I love it. I use it all the time. It's amazing. He tells his friends about it and they go and buy it. Yep. Allows you to just get better and better and better. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's uh, probably about, you know, a thousand more questions, but I don't want to break you <laughs> with a thousand. So, um, I think uh, I could go on for hours and hours talking to you and getting so, so many good pieces of advice, especially for our business owners listening. Um, but I'd love to lead them to a website, um, the best place that they can find more information, learn more from you, um, see more of you in the media and all the cool stuff that you're doing because there's a ton. I have something really cool for you. Okay. So. There was a funnel that uh, we built, and uh, well, there's lots of funnels that we've built, but uh, we, we use the same type of funnel throughout our funnels, and I would actually, um, since the listener has listened this far, uh, we might as, well, might as well reward them. Yes. And what we'd like to do is, uh, if they go to MrOnIt.com okay. forward slash genius, uh, we will gift them a, uh, an entire funnel to download. And it's a funnel that's been optimized. And all they, all they have to do is uh, insert their product, insert their course, insert whatever they want. And they can go there and download that and uh, have it for free. It's no cost. And uh, you know what? Maybe that's the, the fire they need or the jumpstart they need to get to the next destination. Fantastic. Thank you so much. And we'll make sure to have a link to that as well. Thank you. Yes, that'll forward slash genius. Okay, perfect. Trey, thank you so much. This has been so fabulous, so entertaining as well. I love your stories. Good. I'm, <laughs> I'm happy. That makes, that makes it all worth it. <laughs> Thanks so much.
Thank you for listening to today's Get Genius. You can learn more about The Draw Shop at www.thedrawshop.com, on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Your home for kick-butt custom whiteboard marketing videos. Your ideas come to life. Thanks for listening. Please share, comment, and make any suggestions for future genius guests.